Welcome to The Athletics of Business, a podcast about how the traits and behaviors of elite athletes and remarkable business leaders frequently intersect. The real stories and hard lessons to help you level up your leadership and performance. Now your host, Ed Molitor. Welcome back to another episode of The Athletics of Business podcast. I am your host and CEO of the Molitor Group, Ed Molitor. A man am I fired up to bring you this just exceptional conversation, just a, a fantastic episode with our special guest, Shane Jones. Shane is an esteemed alum from St. Ambrose University where he played football for four years. He is co-founder, a co-founder, excuse me, and director of partnerships for FUDA. FUDA is an amazing story in and of itself, which we'll get to, but let me tell you a little bit about what they do. They are a workplace food program that people love and look forward to every day. Because what they do is they scour the streets for the best food trucks, trendy restaurants, uh, as well as a hidden gem, mom and pops, right? And then they make the connection between those food trucks, trendy restaurants, and the hidden gems and the people who love that food. And they bring that food to them in the workplace. And, And Shane's story is a quintessential success story. An ordinary person doing extraordinary things. And I don't mean that uh, in a negative way. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And when he got done, when, excuse me, when he graduated from St. Ambrose University, uh, he went into the insurance business where he will describe it as an unsuccessful stab selling insurance in Davenport. And he had a, a buddy that was working at Echo Logistics and talked him into coming down to the big city, out to the big city in Chicago for an interview. Uh, which he did. Uh, he was offered the job. And while at Echo Logistics, he was tasked by his manager to figure out the productivity problem. They just weren't being productive. So Shane, being the observant person that he is, took a step back and watched. And what he noticed was people were doing two things. They were taking a lot of smoke breaks and they were taking really long lunches. He didn't know what to do about the smoke break, so he, he solved the lunch problem. And, and that story, which I'll let him share, is what led to Fudo. We'll talk about the different roles he's had and the different hats he has, he has worn. But then we'll get into the leadership aspect of it. And he, just so many great stories. But then we start talking about the leadership. And he talks about the significance of explaining roles and communicating expectations to your people. He, he makes a great point about putting pride on the shelf. And this stems from a story about when somebody asked him if he was a CEO. And he says, you, you know, it's just, that wasn't the right role for me. And he talks about surrounding yourself with the right people and putting them in the right roles. And when you do that, it raises everybody else up. We really get into the culture. And I'm going to leave it at this. I'm going to say we talk about protecting the culture by hiring the right people. And I'll give you a hint, Shane uses a little bit more colorful explanation of how they protect the culture there, which I absolutely love. We talk about being agile and being nimble. And, and I asked Shane, how do you do that in the interview process? And he'll, he'll go through that in a simple task and, and what he does there. And then I love, we talk about connecting in the interview. We stay on that for a few minutes and, and the ability of the candidates to connect in the interview and build rapport and develop a relationship and not just to vomit the resume, regurgitate what they're trying to sell about themselves, but to really connect, especially when it's a sales position. And then something where, where, where Shane gets really transparent with us that I love, I asked him something that he took away from athletics that still is uh, something that drives him today. And that's the power of rejection. He said, rejection. 
and he talks about an experience when he was younger with basketball and being cut. But he also talks about, and I love this, he talks about when he was playing football at St. Ambrose, and he played with some great players there that were ahead of him. And his position coach, who was a great friend of mine in college, I also went to St. Ambrose and graduated from there, uh, Jeff Gersh, and he talks about, you know, when I talked to Jeff about Shane, he says you just couldn't keep him off the field. He might not have been the most talented uh, athlete, but you just couldn't keep him off the field. And Shane talks about that, but he talks about how the first two, three years, you know, his head coach, Coach Sturdy, was just very transparent and very honest with them and just told him he wasn't ready and wasn't good enough in how that has um, shaped him, his ability to take rejection and make it a positive in the business world. I think you're going to absolutely love, just love this conversation. So I'll just step out of the way and let Shane take over. Shane, thank you so much for joining us today on the Athletics of Business podcast. I am humbled and fired up to have you with us. I'm excited, my friend. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Um, just a little, you know, I, I gave the backstory in the introduction. So a, a fellow St. Ambrose alum, I, I would love for you just to kind of uh, take us behind the curtain of your journey and, and go back as far as you want and bring us up to speed to un, all the unbelievable work that you're doing today. Yeah, well, I uh, started out small town kid in Princeton, Illinois, you know, a couple stoplights in a super Walmart. Uh, you know, had a bunch of my friends decided to head on the pipeline we called it the pipeline to St. Ambrose. We had a couple, <laughs> a couple All-Americans there. We had Nate Norman go there, who was a senior when I was a freshman mm-hmm. in high school. And he had a big career there. We watched him. And so a few of my friends, we, we headed up to St. Ambrose, checked it out, and then um, decided to play football there. I mean, it wasn't like a total plan for me to do that. I, just, I didn't really know what was going to happen. And my mm-hmm. buddy, Matt Seidel, who ended up being my uh, best man, my wedding roommate in college, was like, why don't you just come, come to Ambrose and play football? I'm like, all right, let's do it. So <laughs> changed positions, went from quarterback in high school and went into the receiver role. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, it was a, I mean, I went against guys that were like all Americans coming in. It feels like they were great. They were great high school players. They were um, all state uh, Shriner game receivers, you know, from Pekin, Illinois, and then a couple guys from Iowa. I mean, I definitely had some competition there that they were definitely better at this, that position than me that I, I learned a lot from them through the years there. Um, and you know, by the end of my time there with perseverance and working through some injuries and being behind some real studs, I got, got to get to on the field, uh, you know, throughout the time, score touchdowns, return punts, like do what I wanted to do there. But that wasn't the big part. You know, the big part for me was, I mean, I loved the game. It was great playing, but man, I made some great friends, great stories, awesome bus rides. Great place. Yep. Everything about it. That's the favorite part for me. Like I'm a godfather of. Uh, one of my co-players, Kurt Gersh, uh, I'm my, one of my sons is, uh, you know, his godfather is Chris Burhans, who would be another great guy to have on your podcast, doing some mm-hmm. big things out there. And I love it. So that, that was the spider web effect from Ambrose, yep. you know, absolutely um, led into even my first job at echo. Uh, I played football with, uh, Kyle O'Connor, we called him Buddha. He's like, <laughs> Hey, uh, I'm, I'm at this place called echo global logistics. It's a, it's a, it's a startup. It's, it's really cool. It's like a, you know, a transportation firm going back and forth. And I'm like, what's logistics? What's, tra- I don't know. I'm in, I'm in Davenport, Iowa at the time selling insurance or not really doing well at that actually. Uh, and uh, so I, I drove, you know, I went to the city and I interviewed there at 600 West Chicago Avenue, Cabrini Green downtown. And, uh, you know, during the, the meeting, they're like, yeah, this is, you know, it went well. And they're like, well, we'd like to have you come back next week for another interview. Someone's, uh, we'd like to have you talk to one more person. And I'm like, I came from the Quad Cities. 
there a way we could just do this now? <laughs> I mean, and it's just so like the perfect like, thing to say for a guy really wanting a job, right? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I just, I don't know if I can go all the way back. I mean, so, um, they were like, sure. And they brought in one of the uh, other directors and I left there with a job. And wow. so I That's went awesome. back to, I, I think I went to the Southside Parade after that, to that weekend. And, then, um, <laughs> and you made it out alive. That's good for it, someone from Princeton. <laughs> exactly. Uh, culture shock there. Uh, then um, went back to the Quad Cities, packed my stuff, and moved in with my uh, soon-to-be brother-in-law in Crystal Lake. And wow. from there, just commuted downtown to Echo Global. For I worked there for about four years. My first job out of, right out of school was a uh, real job outside of selling insurance was at Echo. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So then, then what, what happened? What food, where did this come from? Well, while I was at Echo, I was tasked by one of the managers with, he's like, man, you got can we figure out a way to increase productivity here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere when it comes to food, we called it a food desert, if you will. This is before all the food trucks and, right. you know, we had right. Japanese in the building, which was like $50 a lunch. Where was your, where was your building at again? 600 West Chicago Avenue. It's the old Montgomery Wards building. Downtown, yeah. Where yeah. Groupon is now, Big mm-hmm. Ten Network. I mean, uh, Echo, all these places. It's pretty sharp. Yeah. Like 7,000 people. It's really, it's a really awesome energy with that building, the whole thing about it. Um, but either way, you know, so we, uh, I started watching what people were doing and they were, you know, smoking cigarettes and going to lunch. People were smoking cigarettes maybe seven times a day up to, be either 16 minutes at time when they would go. Wow. I mean, it was insane. Sometimes yeah. shorter, sometimes, but it was a whole culture. I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe I could fix the lunch issue. So I went to a place called, uh, I think it was like Heckey's or something. It was in a, on Halstead down there. It was uh, just this like gas station barbecue place. And I'm like, would you come in and bring food for my company? And they're like, well, how many people? I'm like, I have no idea. Like there's four or 500 people there and we don't have much options for food. So I think if you bring pulled pork and mac and cheese, it should uh, take off. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. He brought, they brought that in. It went viral throughout the building. People started taking advantage of the food program. It got to the point where it went from one restaurant a day to, or one restaurant a week, actually, to then two and then three. And then we had five restaurants, one each day of the week. And my only thing was I need, I want a free lunch out of it. <laughs> um, but uh, through doing so- that though, yeah. So at first, at first, it was just simply you were trying to increase productivity. That's the thing you identified. So you weren't really trying to make a couple bucks off of each person. That no, was no, that came way later. I had to Google what productivity even meant to figure out what I needed to do. <laughs> and I, you know, once I see, saw that, yeah, I mean, the one thing that we could fix was maybe this lunch issue because that was a big, you know, time suck when you go out. Yeah. Um, and it went viral throughout the building because a lot of people in the building were in the same boat. And, you know, one time a, uh, a person dropped their lunch in our lobby and, uh, you know, why don't you get someone to get your team leader or whoever to come clean this up and they'll, or they'll, they'll uh, alert st- staff to do it or whatever. And uh, the person's like, I don't work here. I'm on the eighth floor. I just came down to get the, the Austrian bakery sandwich. Yeah. And that's when um, Echo was like, well, I don't think we could do this. Like we can't, in, anyone outside of Echo can't come to this. Mm-hmm. We're taking like our drinks and our you know cups. Yeah. And it was just like yeah. it was just a weird little mingle of other yeah. companies sneaking in. So yeah. that's when we uh, we went and set this up for a couple other places in the building. Uh, randomly throughout this process, a, a restaurant gave me twenty dollars and was like, "Thank you so much. We just did around two thousand dollars in sales." And wow, uh, we, and I'm like, "Well, this is a crappy percentage, but <laughs> I'll, you know, but that's when the that's kind of when the light went off. Where like you'd pay us to do this, and they're like, "Yeah, we." We're great at serving food. We don't really know how to get into these buildings or you know, send the word. And so 
that's when the light bulb went off and mm-hmm. this has been going on for a few years. And so myself, a couple of guys at Echo, we approached the EVP of sales and the president who were, you know, Echo had just went public. Uh, they were on their way out and these guys were serial entrepreneurs that have great connections. And we partnered with them. We got the business plan together. We raised our initial money, $1.3 million. And then we started at uh, FUDA January 3rd, 2011 with about th- it was three guys. Wow. Wow. And that was, that was how it evolved to it. But you know, you fast forward to now and we're in 24 cities. We have over 450 employees. We've taken over 30 million of investments and we're look we're serving over 70,000 people a day, which That's is amazing. 10 times the size of Princeton. Are, you know, so, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's awesome. It's just a great, it's, and we're, and we're cooking and we're, we're keep we're, we're cranking along. And, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. So are you, are you sticking to lunch? Have you gone outside of that and got into catering special events, anything like that? Through it. You know, so early on we would go to our pop-up events because our main customer was Echo and we were right in the same building and we go down and watch and, you know, meet some active listening, hearing people saying, and we started seeing people go to the pop-ups and grab 10 or 15 meals and then go somewhere else. So we're like, what are you doing? You know, it's kind of a messing with our prep numbers and we're like, what happened? Like we, uh, we have a catering event or a meeting over here and we forgot to order. So we're just going to come to the pop-up and get the food. So, you know, we got together and we created a catering product. Mm-hmm. Oh, like made another, another panel here. And then along the way, delivery started blowing up, you know, so we created a delivery product, but it's only available in our Chicago market, mm-hmm. but we serve over 3000 delivery, delivered meals a day, just doing that in Chicago. Um, and then from there, we've developed all their things. We got into do a full on cafe, not just a pop-up rotating restaurant. And so I think by now we're at five or six different lines of products. So, all right. So you had this amazing uh, idea to increase pro- productivity. Next thing you know, you're killing it, you're blown up and you're hiring people, uh, you're leading people, you're building out teams. What, what was that like? What was that whole experience? I mean, it's still going on now, but what was that initial journey like? Yeah. I mean, there was a time where it was, uh, you know, a lot of people, not, not a lot of people, but wearing a lot of hats. And so early on, you know, I did a lot of the supply side of the business and, um, you know, worked with the restaurants and dealing with uh, onboarding them and, uh, you know, creating relationships and menus and such. But um, there was a point where we started growing and we went to our next market, which was New York. And so from there, we started, you know, it was that kind of controlled growth. As we started getting more uh, demand, we started adding to people to our supply side. I mean, it was a controlled growth and it was... Uh, it took a while, but I'd say, I mean, we went from like 20 to a hundred people in like a few months though. And then it was just like one of those big, big growth times. And then from there, we've done that, that spurt a couple different times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, be, you know, from being in different markets, our, our headquarters now has uh, probably about 140 people. And we have the people that are at our cafes. We have people at, in all our different markets. Um, but it was a controlled growth for sure. But mm-hmm. it was a, it's a hyper growth stage until... Right right about re- recently. And then now we're, we're going to try to bring on the people that came on board recently, give them a great onboarding experience, uh, nurture them to be successful and contributing and um, slow up on bringing tons of people in. Right. So can you talk a little bit about what your exact role is now with the organization? Yeah. Uh, so I started off uh, in restaurant sales and I did that for the first four years of the business, kind of run the supply side, working on that. Uh, from them, I kind of, from there, I took a career path and jumped over to the, um, uh, BDM side, business development rep and worked on, you know, closing accounts out there in Lompton suburbs. Uh, I did that for about three years. 
uh, from there, I uh, went and did some, went and helped launch Detroit as like an operations person. So I've kind of done a bunch of different things at the company. <clears throat> I took a break for a while. Uh, did that stay-at-home dad life for about six months. Uh, <laughs> it was great. I got to be with my boys. I have three sons. I have a four, awesome. five, and six-year-old. I see seven now. And, um, you know, my dad's great. Love him to death. Uh, but, like, right now, to my kids, I'm like a superhero. So they're, like super, <laughs> they're really happy to be around me. So Perfect. I took advantage of that. And, you know, I was in the car line. I'm at the Thanksgiving dinners. I'm at all the different uh, is trips. It, yeah. and isn't, that, isn't that when you picked up golf, too? Oh, picked up golf a little bit as well. Yeah, uh, a lot of bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah I, uh, I caught that. I, I uh, avoided golf my whole life. Yeah. And I should avoid golf now, but that's just Yeah, me. I started playing when I was around 30, like 31, I got a set of clubs. Okay. And my neighbors around the area here, they're all big golfers. They love it. Um, we, we realize we're like golfers, but we have good <laughs> shots sometimes that keep us in. And we're getting better, but... That's why you keep coming yeah, back. It is, it is. Um, but yeah, I picked up golf a little bit during that. And then, um, yeah, just got a great time with them. But after, I'd say, the winter break where the kids are home for like a month straight uh, without going anywhere, it was like, man, this is uh, <laughs> tough. <clears throat> and I went back and I uh, met with Orazio. They just moved offices. I had been gone for about, I took about a year off. Since wow. And um, it was, uh, the office is brand new, 21,000 square foot, like beautiful place and on uh, the loop. and. He's a, he's a great salesman, whether he thinks it or not. And he's like, you know, hey, what are you up to? Look, the train's right here. Great. Like, we're really, the commute would be great. He's like, you know, he's like, possible opportunity here if you want to come back to the nest. And I bet you within a week from that day, I was in the office in my desk working again. And wow. doing a, more of a recruiter role, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and which is great. I, I, I can help in uh, business development reps, bring on board managers, different markets. Uh, playing, fighting that good fight as a, a BDM, you kind of know the, the how it works and you can tell the, the true story to them of what this role is going to be like and set the proper expectations. And, uh, you know, along with that, I'm doing some data science, working on uh, menu creation and other markets to uh, help That's us cool. increase participation. Yeah, yeah. it's fun Ch- testing these out, seeing results and actually seeing upticks and um, yeah. food sales were yeah, just a bunch of different things. Wherever they need me right now, I'm trying mm-hmm. to help out. Uh, I'm a huge ambassador of the place. So, you know, when they, I speak at different events here and there, and people are like, "Are you, you know, are you the CEO?" I was like, "Well, no, <laughs> definitely not. I am not. I don't have the skills to do that. We had the yeah. right person in place. I, I feel like people need to sometimes put the pride on the shelf mm-hmm. um, and realize what you're good at, and surround yourself with people that can bring you up. And you know, I stay in my lane, and I'm a mm-hmm. huge ambassador, and, and I sell the crap out of food everywhere I go. And, um, that's my role. And, uh, you know, I think equity trumps your title as well sometimes. Yeah, so yeah, sure does. Uh, it's, uh, it's exciting. And that's the, uh, the thing about, you know, food too. I think one of your questions were like, you know, what's the culture like and things. Yeah. And yep. so we pride ourselves in the people we bring on board and we have a great team and we're just growing that team. And, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, it's exciting. Everyone that comes on board that you get to see their face and, we're hiring people from big schools. Yeah, where you got people from Notre Dame, you got people from Illinois, you got yeah. people from uh, you know Duke, whatever. I mean, you have all over the place. And then from this, you know, coming from Ambrose, just to be like, oh, you know, getting made fun of for going small Ambrose. Yeah. And we're hiring people from these big schools. It's and great school. Yeah. It's um, it's really it's it's uh that's our we, our culture is that startup feel. But we're a growth stage company now. We're we've been around for eight years. You're not a startup, right? Right. You know? and so. 
we, but we keep that feel going and it's hard to do, uh, you know, cross 24 markets, but how do you do it? I mean, how, how do you, how do you keep that sense of urgency and that positive energy and that vibe going? Our leadership team, uh, they, they're very transparent with what's going on keeping everyone motivated. Every, every Thursday, there's an all hands meeting where we throw all the screens on at the home office and we do updates and pe- everyone's involved. Like they're not just out there on islands. They're all involved. Mm-hmm. We do sales summits. We've done, uh, we do a leaders trip. I mean, there's a bunch of different things that we do to kind of keep the culture, but the leaders in each market too really uh, can help with that as well. And that's why they're there. They've been, you know, we have guys in New York and Boston, Atlanta, they all, they understand and they, uh, they run a nice ship and, and it's, it's been, it's been successful for us. And that's the, uh, the main goal is to continue that and, you know, have great retention and just keep growing. And you talked a little bit about the recruiting that you do and bringing business developers on and things like that. How, how protective are you? And I think I know the answer to this question, but how protective are you of this amazing culture that you built? Very. I mean, it's, it doesn't take much to stir up things. And so, you know, how they're going to, you know, like what you're looking for. It's, it's a, the person is just, they need to sell themselves. They need to be a team player. They need to not that never have that attitude of that's not my job because you know, in some of these new markets that we're hiring for, you're wearing a lot of hats. You're doing the IT, you're doing, you're, you're delivering food, you're helping out, you're taking payment. Like there's, there's things where you're, you're, you're in the trenches and we need people to be that way and not mm-hmm. stay. I mean, stay in your lane. Yes. And you're focused, but if you need to be pulled over, you'd be able to uh, be nimble. Mm-hmm. And if we from a huge environment where everything's super structured every to every minute of the day, like we, I don't know if that's works with us always. So we need, uh, we need great people that are excited about the product and what they're doing and, and, um, and just open to being able to be pulled over here and pulled over there and mm-hmm. nimble on the spot. Right. And you talk about nimble, you know, I talk about agility, right. And, and things of that nature. How do you, how do you identify that in the recruiting process? Is that just a feel? Is that just your experience in your years being a people person and building relationships? Is there something specific you do to identify that? You give them a small task at the beginning of the, of the conversation, like, and it's subtle. It's like, you know, like, hey, I'm a, I'm a, just giving them an agenda and then see if they follow it. Sometimes they just go straight into the pitch of the, what they're trying to get across and they make no um, rapport. Like there's no like relationship they're building with me. And in a sales guy, you got to build that relationship early. You can't just go into your pitch and you need to feel that person out a little bit or, or just break down some barriers. Sometimes people are like, I am like, just tell, I'm like, I go through the agenda. I'm like, it's, I want to tell you, you know, about myself. I'm going to tell you, and once you tell me a little bit about yourself, then we'll get into it. And then before, and then they're like, all right, sounds good. And then they just start. And I didn't get to say anything about, like I said, I was going to intro myself. And then you can tell me about, and I did just, and I, maybe that's nerves, but like, I, I don't want them to be nervous. Like this is a, we're a, we're a great place to be at. We're not, we're not, uh, we're not trying to scare anyone. We want you to come on and feel super like, you know, motivated and, and we're behind you. And so that just subtle little things you can drop early in the conversation and see how they react to it. And then it tells a lot. I think it's for two minutes. Well, well, I I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Now I'm going to, I'm going to go back to your Ambrose days. I'm going to go back to coach Gersh because when you and I were first in Jeff's Jeff and his brother, I mean, just great people. Right. And I was, I was lucky to be at Ambrose. I'm a, I'm a few years older than you. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. But I, I was lucky to be Ambrose with a great crew. Well, thank you. With a great crew of um, 
uh, football guys, right? Obviously yeah. basketball guys, but great yeah. football guys that we hung out with. And I got to know Jeff and Joe real well. And, and, and when I talked to Jeff about you when we were first trying to get connected, he said, you know, he said, the thing about Shane, why you'll love him is because he really wasn't, and you spoke to this a little bit, he really wasn't the most talented wide receiver, but you couldn't keep his ass off the field. He goes, you just couldn't keep him out of the game. He just found a way to get in the game. And then when he got in the game, he, he made plays, right? And you sort of did the same thing with your interview with Echo, right? You, didn't, you weren't going to get sent back home without that second interview. Yeah. And so that's your personality. That's your character. That's the way you are. When you interview people, is it hard for you to realize, or is it a challenge? Not hard, but a challenge to realize you've got to bring some people on board that aren't like yourself. How important is that? I mean, it's very important. And I'm, I get that I'm different than most uh, in a lot of different ways, good and bad. And the thing that I love, there's things that I know that I can't do very well. And when I see it in somebody else, I'm so excited because I'm like, boom, there's that puzzle piece, grab them. And like, you know, our, our, at Echo, I'm not Echo, but at FUDA, you know, our sales was revolutionized by a young, talented sales guy that just started going after a different vertical and it blew up our sales. And so it's just, Guys like that, and or and then we also have people we brought on like uh, Brenda Lee Dean in Boston, who has a different caliber of work ethic, and she just is amazing. And so it's like people that you you could tell right away, like they may possess something that you maybe wish you had, or they do better than you, and that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not much. It's not as saying that they're completely different than me. They may just you know, be better at a few different things when it comes to it. But I mean, there's also different roles that you need different people. And that's why we have different recruiters for them. I have a kind of, a, not a knit, but I have a, a scope or net that I'm going after. And mm-hmm. that's, there's certain reasons for that. That's awesome. Now back to the football. Let's talk yeah. about the traits and behaviors that made you so successful. Let's talk about what you carried over and translated into the business world? Because you've said a lot of things. I mean, besides the work ethic, besides the commitment, besides the fact that you were just not going to fail, right? And when you made up your mind, you're going to do something. What other things did you carry over into your, this enormously successful business career? Rejection. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go from this, this stud in high school uh, in a small town, you feel like you're doing really good. You're going to walk in and then you don't play for a couple of years and you go and you have the same work ethic and you go to practice and you're, you're getting beat out by guys that are better than you at disposition. I've never played receiver in my life. I'm trying to like, you have expectations, delusional, like I'm going to walk in here and do this, but time after time, then you're like, but he's coming back the next day, making plays, getting better. And then at some point, you know, I registered my freshman year and then those guys that were three years ahead of me uh, that, that I played behind for three years end up being gone in my last year all that rejection that I could have stopped like a lot of guys mm-hmm. did throughout the years in spring ball the next year or this or that, but like persevere, persevere through all that and got to score touchdowns, got to do everything I wanted to do there. Like I knew I could do, but throughout the time I got in there and made plays, but like you get rejected. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. and then in sales, and what I take over with me now is constantly you get rejected, get back on. Like I am not scared to get on the phone and have hard conversations or, uh, lose a candidate or lose a restaurant or lose a, uh, another, a lead because I've been rejected so many times yeah. that I know that I've, I, and I, but I've also had a lot of success too. Mm-hmm. So through this, through like with people saying yes, but along the way, there's a lot of rejection. I feel like that experience in Ambrose, it sounds negative with it, but I mean, there was a, I had to get used to that. 
you know, like going to coach dirty and be like, why can't I return punts? And he's like, this guy's better than you. <laughs> Damn. All right. Okay. All right. And I have, a, I have a thought about this conversation it, yeah. for four days. I had it already. And then you just derailed the whole thing. So, <laughs> uh, you know, there's things, there's, there was those yeah. times, but coach Gersh and other guys, uh, that were with me. I mean, they, I, I didn't want to ever leave the team. I loved yeah. the experience yeah. and it ended up paying off and you know, you know the whole thing. That's a great segue because I, I really wasn't going to talk about this. We have so much cool stuff to talk about, but I, I want to touch on this because I've always said that the, the most successful athletic programs, teams, regardless of the sport, right? And I, I think the most successful organizations in business, in, in sales teams or whatever type of teams inside your organization, business units, are the ones that aren't like a family, but they, they are a family. Okay, mm-hmm. you, you find a way to get to that point with each other and connect at that level. How important is that for you guys at FUDA? I mean, it's huge. I, you know, I know people that have been at FUDA for years and years and years. And early on, they may have been at a crossroad where like, man, I just don't know if I want to be here, but I love my coworkers and I'm not going to leave them. And then, you know, they push through and then now they're, uh, you know, have a career path that being you know, exactly where they wanted. But there was a time where there was a crossroad. And for some, for many people that have been there throughout the years, and I think a lot of the things that have kept us together are, are the team that, and they're the people that are around them. Cause like they literally, they'll lay down for their teammate and they want to be there with them. And I've literally heard those words. Like, you know, it's just, it's this, I can get more money here maybe, or this could be that, but I just love working with these people. I mean, how great is that? Right. Right. It's it's like anything you make it impossible to leave or you make it extremely difficult to leave. And and what does that do? It just increases your retention rate. It attracts top talent. It's everything we're trying to accomplish today, doesn't it? Totally. And we're also, there's a line of people trying to get in too. So it's a different, so you know, I think that people, uh, it's, it's changed throughout the years when it's come to like the whole, like, you know, when it comes just the growth, it's just been, it's so it's, there's different issues with it and different positive and negative with it. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's all about retention and having people have a good experience and if they leave they leave on great terms too. I mean, so there's always, we want to springboard and help people out. And, um, but we're, I'd say like, yeah, the, the culture and the team and the family situation we have is special. And we try to nourish it all the time with different events and uh, give people some autonomy. And so it's, that's, that's the goal is to kind of keep that going in all our markets as well. Can you talk about one of the events maybe that you do to, to add to, or just to, to keep driving that culture? I mean, yesterday we had a massive pumpkin carving contest. <laughs> one of the pumpkins where it's like a shaded version of our CEO, Razio Giza. <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was a epic piece. And then. That's um, awesome. We do like a big, we did a, a blessings in a backpack where we all got together and we packed backpacks for That's kids awesome. that, yeah. for that don't get food on the weekends. Our HR team with Emily and Maddie and the rest of them, they put it together and really did an awesome job. And we, I mean, that was, those are the things that bring us all together that you feel you're really good about. And all our markets did it across the, across the United wow. States, all the different, they all did their groups. And we put thousands of lunches together for kids in need. And those awesome. are a few. Yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. Now, you talked about rejection, okay? And it's one of the things that that drives us, right? I mean, we're kind of twisted in the head that way. Like, the more times you reject me, the harder I'm going to work. But has you have you been on this journey with food and you've grown? What's been harder, um, growing through the adversity or figuring out how to sustain your success? Um, I mean, I guess both. Uh, there's When we first started, there, were, there was not a lot of... Uh, 
you know, different people that are out there doing this. I don't, I don't think we have tons of players still because we do some unique things, but mm-hmm. the food space is getting, you know, there's a lot of people in it recently and a lot of great companies. Uh, we've had some other people go IPO with the Grubhub seamless and there's some other ones coming along. So, I mean, you're always feeling like every lead out there is trying to be taken by somebody else. There's a crazy sense of urgency more these days of, saturation and being first and uh you know getting to the, get getting there and being the incumbent to have someone mm-hmm. try to displace you rather than being displaced and so uh i feel like the urgency right now is pushing us the most is we just want to grow and we want to get there before they did so with that sense of urgency how do you keep such an even keel you know kind of mentally and emotionally in other words you don't get too excited about having to be first or having to to you know just be in this constant race where you're actually setting the pace we just professional salespeople and professional uh, team leadership and uh, just, just keeping the course. We have our goals. We have a great CSO. We have great leaders individually. And they're very clear with what we need to do. And it's, it's, we could go a thousand miles an hour and go there and get there dangerously. Or we can just keep our pace and go, to the, go through the stop signs and get there nice and smooth and safe and the way we want to. Um, so we have a controlled approach to it and we stand behind it and it's, a, and it's been, it's worked up to now. And so we're going to just keep doing it. You know, you just said something that, I mean, you said a lot that was significant, but, um, clear in what we need to do. In other words, your, your leaders are telling their people, right. They're very clear in their message and their communication. Can you talk into a little bit of how significant it is to, uh, communicate everything necessary to all the stakeholders and do, think, do so consistently? I just think. Well, for everyone involved at FUDA, they all have such a unique role. And there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of uh, things happening all around lunchtime. So it's just for them to, to know exactly their, their playbook and what, what happens with you know, this. I mean, but the answer for this, though, is so many different ways. I can answer you for operations. I can answer you for finance. I can answer you for tech. I can answer you for business, restaurant sales, corporate sales. So, but overall, they all know their role. And they all have certain, I'd say like, you know, with, with corporate sales, they have their, their numbers to hit each month. And then for delivery, we need our on-time delivery numbers for catering. We need a certain, so like they all have their, their, what they need to hit. And they focus on that rather than this just massive, huge, crazy chaos, which it looks like, but everyone is in individually knows what they need to do. And if they do that, it should be, and along the way with food, there's a lot of, unsolicited feedback we can say and so how to turn those <laughs> negatives into positive right that's that's huge with our people is trying to a lot of people are putting out fires a lot and that's uh and and they do and we have great you know and they they turn those negatives into positive they're proactive uh that helps with just making everything seem like a smoother experience if it's starting to go south and to kind of keep going with with that in terms of coaching your people you know uh, a lot of us from athletic backgrounds, the people that had the biggest impact in our lives were coaches at some point, whether it be, it could be literally, right? I mean, I can remember my sixth grade basketball coach, Mr. Del Vecchio. He, he had a huge impact in my life. It could be our high school, our college coaches. And we have the opportunity now as business leaders to coach our people, not just to manage them, not just to be their boss, not just to tell them what to do, but to you know, jump in that journey alongside of them and help them grow. How do you folks do that at food and how significant, just go ahead and talk. I mean, just talk about that, being able to coach your people, how significant that is. Yeah. So we have a, it's all about our onboarding. You know, we, we we're actually revamping that right now to turn it into like a virtual onboarding situation, but we used to fly people in and, uh, you know, do welcome weeks with them. But I think that 
the biggest thing is we, the way we get in front of them, the way we try to talk to them and bring them on and just that experience early because a lot of people in their first days will realize, you know, what kind of company you are and that we need to focus on that early experience to make them understand that we're behind them, that here's the tools, uh, here's exactly how this works, here's, we're going to go into this segment of the business. We're going to tell you all about the, uh, all our, our business orientation, you know, our products, our strategy, our brand, uh, and then just three days of that. And then through, after you get through that, you're, then from there, you can try to get them, they have the foundation and they can start asking questions. And then when they start asking questions, you start coaching them a little bit more about, okay, here's how, here's how this works. Here's how this works. Um, make sure you like this subtle business jargon almost that they need to understand about food up, mm-hmm. coaching them about being a better BDM and things like that, but also coaching them internally of how things work at FUDA, who you need to talk to to get through to this, who can help you with this, who is like, uh, you know, when you need to go to, you know, accounting, and like just, you need to get like a buddy system. And mm-hmm. um, we have so many coaches. We have so many people that are leaders in the business, you know, with, uh, with Emily and HR, with Stafford and marketing, with Alec. I mean, there's so many people that are leaders in their own way. But then within those groups in restaurant sales, we have Jake that's a leader. We have Holden that's a leader. So like we hire a bunch of people that can do that main leader role, but they're all playing different roles that, and they, they stay in their lane. They understand they're coaching other people that come in. When I brought in people, we train them and coach them. And then I see them using some of the techniques I've told them. And so it's um, just watching them use what you say and have the work kind of like, you know, when flag football, when you call the play and, they do it and they score. It's like, it, it's just such a great feeling when like it's executed and it's a win or it's executed and it's done and delivered or what any of that stuff based off some of the things that you told them to do. That's the fun, exciting thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you talk about that initial experience and in, in business, obviously the initial experience is the contract, right? It's a bit transactional, but you want to get it to that point where it's a transformational experience. And to do that, you have to build trust. Mm-hmm. We, we talk all the time about authenticity being broken down to honesty, integrity, and vulnerability. Can you talk about how significant trust has been with your people into this um, massive growth of FUDA? Yeah, I mean, early on when you're a startup and they don't know, they hear all this stuff about startups, like, are, is it going to make it? Is it not going to make it? You know, they all, everyone bought in and a lot of the people that have been there since the beginning, um, you know, is that core group that's still there. And we've lost people on the way and hired some other great people on the way. But the people that they come to FUDA, the reason I think they trust is because there's no, there's no thing in there that we're hiding from them. And every Thursday they share investor decks. They, they're, I mean, when we're doing, working on fundraising, everything is out in the open. So there's not, there's no reason to have any distrust. I mean, so people have questions, there's open doors, they have uh, anything they need, we're there to answer for them. And there's nothing to hide, you know? So I think the trust starts early and people ask hard questions and they get the right answers. And that's, uh, I think when you talk to a lot of people, FUDA, and if you see our recruiting video, a lot of anything about it, it's like the transparency of the leadership, good or bad, is what makes you trust and really follow this group. That's awesome. Now, we're going to go back to sports real quick. Who, who, what coaches had the biggest impact on you and how does that show up in your leadership style today? Well, I guess you can go back to rejection again. Uh, you know, I was cut from the basketball team in junior high. I mean, I, my, my, my best friends all were players and started, I, I whooped their ass playing basketball. (laughs) And I, this, this, this coach, I still this day have no idea. And I was cut from the A and B team, uh, in seventh grade. And 
with no explanation. And, and I have people that I just couldn't believe, even on the B team, whatever. The next year I go out again. Did he just forget to put your name on the roster or what happened? I have no idea, Jerry Thompson. What was your deal? Uh, but it's just like, <laughs> then he does it again the next year. And like, it just got to, it, like that right there ruined that sport for me. And, that's, that's and awesome. it was, so like that was, because uh, there's always these positive stories, but that story right there, it just like crushed a little kid for no reason. Like, do better at this, do this. Like no, nothing just said to me about it. So like, that was one of those stories that like affected me in a really crazy way where I never want, I got like, goosebumps getting on the basketball court because i'm like I, is there something i'm missing here like but um but then some uh, good stories i mean like coach ryan joe ryan my high school football coach he he uh really took me under his wing I mean, i was a running back and we needed a quarterback and i probably wasn't going to be i wouldn't be a great quarterback but he was like you're athletic and you can do this and so i you know didn't throw a lot and i just kind of ran the ball but it's basically a running back at that position and, but he brought me along. There were some hard times through high school. I went through with uh, different family stuff and he would take me to Illinois state games. He would uh, take me in and he was, I mean, to this day, I, I text him here and there. And I, I, I'm very fond of, you know, coach Ryan, um, coach Waka, you know, is another coach in, in uh, my sophomore year of high, high school. Great coach, great guy. He's got a great family. I still uh, think of him to this day at certain times, even his bad breath when he's right in my face telling me about <laughs> what's going on. Uh, in the halftime, he's like, you got to pull it together. And I'm like, yeah. I, I can't breathe. Um, <laughs> you know, Coach Sturdy, you know, yeah. at Ambrose, he's a – Absolutely. I have, you know, still – it's the good and bad with him. I mean, he gave it to me straight when I – and it was hard to hear sometimes some cuts from him here and there. Uh, but he also had my back when he needed to. and. He, uh, he's left a major impact on me still this day. Um, and I named my son Carson after his, his first kid that I, wow. so, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a, so those are, those are the main ones. I mean, and to this day, I mean, I have a, you know, more of a business coach stuff. I mean, like Vip Sandier, one of the, uh, uh, Vip and Razio, the co-founders with us. I mean, these guys have given me some huge lessons throughout life that I still use. I'm like another time where there's some deep cuts that, but also some of the most amazing things, some great high lows with, lot some of these coaches you know with anything there's it's it's not always great but mm. it, there's high lows with it but overall it's it's all for the better well you know and you know their only agenda is to make you better right yes yeah and, and that's it so how important is that to you to continue to grow it's huge i mean i have three sons and i need to continue with times i mean and my my wife and we gotta we, we always have to we always have to grow and adapt to what's going on i feel like things are changing and so I feel like we need to always be conscious of that. And you can't just treat everything the same. Just like every phone call or every sales call, you can't give them that fast pitch every time. Someone's looking to hear what the fast pitch, someone wants to hear a little bit about you, qualify. Someone just wants to talk. I mean, so you have to dial that in and find out early on that. And I think that's how we need to adjust with our kids, with our work, with our, I mean, we're constantly adjusting. We wake up one day and two kids have pink eye. We got to adjust. <laughs> we got to figure it out. Um, and so there's just, um, you know, that's, that's some of the things I think that uh, are very important is adapting along the way, because if you adapt or die is how I feel. Well, there's no question. And then let's talk about your wife. She is, she's the real rock star of the family, right? Oh, absolutely. How do you guys, how do you guys do it? How do you balance? How do you juggle? How do you make it all work? Yeah. It's competitive household. We'll say that. I mean, Kathy's, Kathy's pretty uh, amazing in a lot of ways. I mean, she was a star four-year starter at Ambrose, quadruple mm -hmm. major, like 4.0. <laughs> uh, no joke. Uh, great. She's a 
one of the leading women in her uh, industry. She's a financial planner at Edelman Financial, and she uh, she's no joke. And she, uh, as an athlete and as a uh, as a worker, mom, everything. She wife, she's top notch. I mean, so we uh, she's our rock. We rely on her for a lot of things, and uh, she probably wish she had a little uh, more tender girl love around here, but there's a lot of guys. And she's just, she but she well, also, her background though, she's, she's cut out for it though, right? She is. She grew up with three brothers that are massive, crazy animals, yeah. athletes. And, um, so I think that's, uh, that's why we get along so well. We have a lot of the same interests. We, uh, we do a lot of the same stuff. She likes to golf. She likes to play cards. We'll watch MMA. I'll watch Bachelorette. Like, so we kind of, <laughs> we get it. We, uh, and, uh, we've been making this work since 2003 in one way or another. And it's, uh, it's, it's been, it's been exciting. That's nice. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable that you guys are able to do that. Now here's a big question. Are you able to get her on this podcast? Cause we've been trying to forever. Yes. I think I broke the ice. Okay. I, uh, she'll, she'll, I mean, does she hold it? Against, a- does she hold it against me that I went to Palatine? Yeah, okay. So for, for those listening that don't know the irony of this conversation is, is Shane is married to an amazing woman who just happened to go to high school on the wrong side of tracks in Palatine. I'm kidding. All right. No, but, um, but does she hold it against me? I went to Palatine, which is understandable. No. No, no. I, she is, she's a busy gal. She doesn't, yeah. I mean, she doesn't reply to texts. She doesn't reply to phone. I mean, she'll get you here and there. I mean, yeah. but she's consistent. She I mean, if you don't get a reply, it's not, it's just because she's so busy. And when you're there with her, her phone's on the side, she's present. She's not yeah. that person looking at her phone. So like, that's what just, you want. She's, she's like sometimes a social uh, liability. And I might, I have to like reply <laughs> to some people for her at times, and take it, but She's consistent and uh, we love her for it. In all seriousness, though, it is pretty amazing how you guys make it work. Can you talk to just the ability to be able to blow up in both your separate industries, right? But to able to make the family work because you and I talked about this when we had lunch. It's so it's the number one thing. It's so important to us. How do you how do you really do it? Well, we've adapted, like I've said, I mean, early on, like I, I use that entrepreneurship quote of, you know, like, you know, entrepreneurship is living a few years of your life like most people won't. So you can spend the rest of your life like most people can't. So we had some early on before we had kids and stuff, we were going at a feverish, crazy pace. And so that has kind of helped us along the way to create some autonomy to help so we can take care of the family and coach. The, and like, you know, her, her company is very big on uh, family and they don't want you to miss your kids' games or, or if you're helping out with soccer, like they get it. You know, it's all about results too. If you're get, making results happen and you're taking care of your work, you can, you've earned that right. And so that's the lucky part about both our jobs and both our situations is, um, you know, family is starting to become first when it comes to, uh, I mean, even FUDA, there was no one had families when we started, you know, now it's starting <laughs> to happen, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. it's, uh, it, I think that's the, the lucky part is just, and, but we also, there's a lot of planning. I mean, every, you can't just go to sleep with like, all right, we'll see you in the morning. Like, What's going? Who's taking here? Who's picking up? Does anyone have any amoxicillin to take? Are there any creams to rub on anyone? Do we have any like uh, today? Who has their Halloween costumes today? Yeah. Oh, no, uh, two of them have today. One's on Wednesday. Okay, mm-hmm. and one of them needs five dollars for. I mean, like, there's full on planning every day. Yeah, absolutely. And the second you take a break, you miss. You're that parent that showed up and they're wearing <laughs> the costume and no one else is. And so, <laughs> you know, we uh, we just try to stay ahead of it that way and. Right. Um, constant communication with text. We've got stuff, we got stuff written all over the place. Sometimes our kids remind us, um, yeah. but um, yeah. it's a lot of just planning ahead and st- trying to stay ahead of it. Isn't it awesome when your kid, the other day, my, my son's in the car with my dad and they got, they have me on speakerphone and my five-year-old, he goes, Hey daddy. I said, what's up little man? He goes, 
uh, are we going to my school tonight? And I kind of paused. I said, yeah, we got literacy night at school. He goes, yeah, are we going? I go, of course we're going. I, I mean, I had to cancel like three different things. I had going on. Yeah. I forgot all about it. So that's, you just make it work, right? Oh, totally. I mean, I, that it's just, you just adapt on it. You just got to adapt and like, Oh yes. And then, but try to stay ahead of it. Those, those times where you get caught off guard. It's like, it's like the one time it happens is like the one it's all you hear about. So it's just stay ahead of it. So before we wrap this up, cause I know we got to roll, but before we wrap this up, where can folks find out more about food and more about you? But if they say, if they're interested in the uh, company, joining the company or they're interested in uh, yeah. hiring or whatever it yeah. is, we're so going to find some we're, we're at food.com or food.com backslash careers. Um, you know, you can follow me on Instagram at Suge Shane, there you <laughs> uh, <go. laughs> uh, but there, uh, yeah, there's, there's, that's the main stuff. I mean, we're looking, we have our careers page. We have stuff about, you can go and see different blogs about us. I mean, our site is very cool and slick yeah. and it's, it's, you know, very it's awesome. you get in there, click around, yeah. but for checking out for opportunities, there's, you know, food.com access careers and then, um, see what's out there. Then it's always, we're always pipelining. You know, we, if we're not hiring right now, we're t- we talk and we start this process and we reach back out to you if it makes sense on the road. Um, but also if you're a company looking to have food brought in or you have a group of 10 people or more for a catering event, or, I mean, there's a bunch of different things. Check it out for just possibly your business and check out the cities we're in. And um, we'd love to get a rep in front of you to talk about what we do. And uh, we're pretty excited. We think what we do is pretty cool. Yeah, it most, hey, it most certainly is. And I appreciate you, brother. But here, uh, the last question, okay? And I, I really appreciate all you do for St. Ambrose. I mean, you do so much for the university. Uh, I've watched a couple of your videos talking uh, in front of some groups. My question is this. You're standing in front of a, a group of, of seniors that are getting ready to graduate and go out into the business world. What is your advice that you give them, regardless if they want to be an entrepreneur, they want to become, I mean, whatever it is, what's that bit of advice? It's uh, for a lot of these people, I'd say get out there and get a sales role. Get into start making some calls, hearing some rejection, having some wins. That kind of will build a foundation for so many different opportunities that uh, you can evolve into. Like the, 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 the training and the sales experience that I got from Echo, uh, I use to this day, and I'm not doing sales right now. And so it's just, I, I, a lot of people need to get out there and get into a position like that. And really just bang the phones, learn how that works, get some wins and losses, but build up a little callus too to like, mm. you know, some hard conversations because these are constantly going to happen. And um, whether you're doing operations or anything, you're going to have some tough conversations. And, you know, doing that early on in a career, I think is a great foundation. And so for me, I always say I'm a big sales guy and big into that. So try to find an awesome sales job and it pays early and it builds you fast. Um, the more you're into like trying that perfect marketing job, like those don't exist. Like, you know, right. you can, you'll be a sales guy and do marketing. Like there's, but like there's certain things that you need to, I guess, create set your expectation too. Like, you know, find something, get in there and then build your way. You're not right. just going to pop out and land on something. Well, and like you said, it teaches you so much about so many different aspects of the business, right? You get to know the business, you get outside your yeah. comfort zone every day. You're going to fail. You're yeah. going to fail fast. And, and in sales, you got to, you got to do some onboarding. You got to do the proposal. You got to work with accounting. Sometimes you got to work with ARAP. I mean, like you got to work all different components of the business to make your account run smooth. And that helps you just be better balanced and knowing your business too. Right. Right. That's awesome. Shane, I, I cannot thank you enough. This has been an absolute blast. Thank you. It was fun.
It was. Hey, please rate and review this um, this episode of this podcast on iTunes. Um, feel free to email me with any comments. Thank you for all the comments I have received over the course of the last uh, year. E, uh, excuse me, Ed at the com. We appreciate everything and keep doing great things. Thank you for listening to the Athletics of Business. Be sure to give us a rating and review so we know how we're doing. For more information about the show, visit theathleticsofbusiness.com. Now, get out there, think, act, and execute at the highest level to unleash your greatness.